You know, especially when you get into edgier jokes, they're weapons. And if you don't know how to wield them, you'll hang yourself on stage, especially now. I'm Casey Fliney, and this is Fast Company's Creative Conversation, a podcast where we tap into some of the most creative minds in film, TV, music, and beyond. We're tackling the mental roadblocks these creatives have encountered on projects or moments where they felt stuck in their careers. By diving into the problem, you'll hopefully have a clear blueprint on how to manage your own creativity. It would seem that Roy Wood Jr. is vying for the title of the busiest comic in show business, and he's honestly not far from claiming that spot. In addition to being a correspondent for The Daily Show and hosting the show This Is Not Happening, Roy is actively touring and acting in films and TV shows, not to mention developing his own projects and creating his second comedy special No One Loves You. For all the work that he's done over his career, Roy admits he's not quite where he wants to be with his comedy. In our conversation, he explains how his approach to comedy has been sharpened to have a social edge and how Solange, of all people, has changed how he performs on stage. All right, Roy, so thank you so much for joining me. Happy to be here. Thank you. So your new comedy special, No One Loves You, it honestly feels like a companion piece to your previous Comedy Central comedy special, Father Figure. Like, it seems like, it really feels like a companion piece to me. I don't know. It's just, just the way the jokes that you tell... It just feels like there's there's a greater story arc there with your comedy specials. And so I'm just curious to know, like, when you when you are approached to do a comedy special, is it just like a clean slate with each one? Or, or are you thinking of what is the greater narrative for these comedy specials? Um, I'm thinking when I'm building, I'm trying to build a narrative for that special. Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought about how it relates how the material, the fabric of it feels similar mm-hmm. to the first one. but In a good way, not to say it's like redundant. Yeah, no, no, but absolutely. It's just, yeah. Because uh, in Father Figure, it was more about, here's a couple things that I think I, th- it was almost called Things I Think I Think, but I'd already named a previous album that okay. from years ago. But it's just, here's something you notice, a bag, and here's another thing you notice. Da, da, da. Right. And it's all stuff that I hope, that for real, that I hope my son goes back and listens to and helps <laughs> analyze helps influence how he processes the world. Yeah. Whereas with No One Loves You, it was, why is this like this? Right. Father Figure was more, here's what I see, here's mm-hmm. what I observe, and Father Figure, and No One Loves You is, why is there no police reform? Oh, because good cops don't really care as much as you think they do because they still have to cover their own ass. Exactly. Why is no one speaking out about... R. Kelly and Me Too, because they would rather listen to the music than stand up for you. And right. so it becomes this through line of, oh, people will put more, people more often than not will put themselves before you. Mm-hmm. Across the board, all issues, all things considered, that is why we are where we are as a society. So right. that's, that's what I'm trying to explore with right. this special. And that's the kind of, if there's a through line, to needle and dig dig into, that's what I'm trying to focus on, and that's why I called it that. Yeah, and you do it so well because, you know, it is so... It's obviously... It's so funny, but then you are touching on such important topics in a way that, to me, feels really fresh. Because, like, when you were talking about in uh, in No One Loves You, you were talking about, like, how we just need to pay cops more. Like, it's like, like, you know, it's like you say that, hey... 
if you want them to do better, like we should have like a snitching program or something yeah, like that. Yeah, set up it's a like, snitch fund. <laughs> right. Which is like, it makes sense because I think people just want to say full stop, oh, you know, all cops are bad. No, no, no one's saying Don't that. Don't pay police. You ought to see black people face when I start right, at that, that spot. That's what I'm saying. It's like people people feel like it's. it makes you kind of think like, wait, what did he just say? But then as you explain it in a humorous way, it it makes sense. You can't argue that. You right. can't argue that if you pay people enough, they too will put themselves before the greater good of a police department. Right. Is that sad? A little bit, but it's understandable. Do you want change or not? <laughs> right. You got money. You keep paying it every time somebody gets shot. You got to pay a settlement. So take that money. Instead of shooting people, just point to the people who <laughs> like that. Right. Start stitching on people, but so no. <laughs> it, it's it's that, and, right. and and it's that thing. And that's not to say that there aren't noble cops that do the right thing Absolutely. and report. Right. Of course there are, but if you want more, mm-hmm. respect the fact that money influences how we make moves in this society. Right. So pay cops more. Definitely, definitely. Just like you know, it, so it, I you know I won't spoil the whole joke here, but like that is the through line. So yeah. as I built that, as I was building that hour last year. Any joke that couldn't address that issue or that, you know, no one loves you, that was the spine. Mm. So every joke has to come back to that somehow. Right. And that's what I was going to ask you. You know, when you're building out this hour, what is that workshopping process like for you? Like when you sit down to start writing, you know, is it just, I imagine, multiple drafts? Like what is that workshopping process like building out an hour set? You just have all these jokes in a bucket and then... As you start, it's like a it's like a puzzle. It's building an hour of comedy is putting together a puzzle that you never got the picture of first. Mm-hmm. Like right. if your jokes, if every joke you've written is a puzzle piece, they're just all in a box and you think up all these jokes. And then one day you have enough minutes and you look at all of these different puzzle pieces on paper and you start seeing what goes with what Mm -hmm. well I talk a little bit about police reform and you know the anthem that was a funny bit where I say if they change the song more people would stand for the anthem okay well that's kind of anthem is tied to police reform so we should do anthem and the next thing you know you have 40 minutes wow so you just start what I just gave you is a conversation I'll have with myself over the course of two to three months right as you start building all of the pieces then it becomes the order of the material and that's where you have to start couching edgier material with softer material and making sure that as you build this meal if you think of the performance as a meal Mm -hmm. you have to figure out what's the appetizer what's the entrees what's the desserts what pairs well I don't drink wine but (laughs) you get what I'm saying no I get you no that's Mm -hmm. that's and you know kind of to that point I I think like you you didn't necessarily start out your career in comedy doing uh doing such like as you said like edgier material Hell like, no. so, right so like what what has that evolution been like for you as a comic like why why did you feel it was important to start speaking on these issues in this way I don't know man you just start caring more you know there there were I can look back at old sets that I've done mm-hmm. and there's glimmers yeah like, if you dig in the crates on YouTube, you can find my Letterman from 06. Mm. And that one, first off, don't judge me on what I wore. <laughs> it's the early aughts. Everybody had See, now that you said that, on. everybody's about to hit the Google. <laughs> 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 but, 
Um, but if you dig into crates on that, you know, I talked a little bit about immigration. There was glimmers of analysis of the world, yeah. but not necessarily taking issues head on. Because then after Letterman, there's kind of a lighter period where, you know, I did Conan for four or five years in mm-hmm. a row. And those sets, the, most of those sets are still online. And there's 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 glimmers. Right. It's But it's not like you can go back and look at your evolution and see what you were working towards and you just have to find a way through because a lot of comedy early on especially for a road comic like myself my first nine years i was in the south i didn't work major cities Mm. so it was what joke will get me on tv so i can get booked in better rooms in the south and then when i'm in these rooms what jokes will get me rebooked here right versus what jokes i really want to do Wow, you can't. I've never thought about if it. If you perform in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, right? You do you really want to go on stage and go on this long ramble about trying to explain? I had a, I had a piece in Father Figure where I talk about why black people aren't patriotic, right? And if you look at the history of black music, it's never been patriotic. Black, <laughs> the right. whole the whole premise of the joke is that white people sing about the country. Black people sing about specific cities where they can have a good time. Exactly. Miami, Will Smith, Miami, Welcome to Atlanta, mm-hmm. Ray Charles, George on my mind yep. or whatever. And so, and then and then with the coming to America, not coming to America, living in America, right. James Brown, right. which everyone says is about America, but at the end of the song, he starts naming cities. Exactly. <laughs> that was the So, do you really want to do that joke on the Wednesday? You can. Right. And it will get 50% of the room, and the rest of the room is going to stare and think you said Black Lives Matter. <laughs> and you're not going to get rebooked. Right. So you're constantly balancing trying to put food on the table mm-hmm. versus true ex- artistic expression. Right. So when you finally get to a place, creatively and fiscally, where you don't care no more, mm-hmm. and you can go, you know, kiss my ass. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> and I know there's people out here who will come see me say it. Because I've been on enough TV shows and I got the Daily Show behind me, so you already know, you already know the lane. You know what this is before you walked your ass in this comedy club. Right. Whereas ten, fifteen years ago, when I just got Letterman and doing Conan, and you're trying to make sure you get rebooked at the college gigs and all of that, you got a fifty-fifty. Like yeah. so, you can see the glimmers, but you can also see the joke that I did. Where I'm just trying to get rebooked somewhere. Right. So right now, where you are in your career, you do feel creatively. Free. 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 100% free. Nice. And that is where the real cooking begins. You get to a place where creatively you know what you really want to do, but then you also, for me, Mm -hmm. you have to figure out a way, I choose to at least, figure out a way to, how do I make this funny and still, how do I sting you then soothe you? Mm-hmm. I was just about to say, like, I was about like to ask you what that style is. Yeah, that's no, that's actually a really good point. Like, that's I had a, really I had a joke that didn't make it into the special because it's I couldn't figure, and I will figure it out some way somehow. Um, the the thought it's not a joke. It's mm-hmm. it's a thought, but it is. I believe it is always taken wrong when I say it on stage, so I'm not mm-hmm. couching it in the right way okay. and, and and it doesn't matter what your intention is what matters is how it's taken right. so when I was beta testing that joke leading up to the special and every time I put that thought in there it was like two minutes of a two minute hole I had mm. to dig out of so it's no matter if it's a fair point 
if you can't make it funny, it doesn't belong in the hour. Yeah, and actually, that's so that's interesting because I was going to bring this up. I was going to ask you, like, is there a joke that you just couldn't quite crack? So, like, what was a joke from, you know, a previous special or even stuff that you do on the road that you're just like, it took a while for you to get it and you finally did? There's some jokes that come back around where you you do it then and you're kind of like, I don't know how, quite how to tie that one together. Mm-hmm. Oh, there it is. And it'll, it'll be sometimes it's years later. Mm. And you'll have a joke, and oh, that's funny, but it doesn't fit anywhere. So I'll just put that on the shit. It's like when you buy a really nice jacket, but you don't have shit else to go with right. it. <laughs> like I'm see, like you just have right. a V out. You see a nice jacket or a nice shoe. And right. you're like, oh, I like that shoe. <laughs> it just stays in your closet. It just sits <laughs> in your closet. And then one day you're out at Nordstrom's rack. And you see those pants. You see the pants. You go, those pants go with the shoes at the crib. And you're like, boom. So now you got a full outfit. <laughs> so there was there's a bit that I'm I'm trying to work through now that I think I have I think <laughs> okay. I've got it. There's a little bit more that needs to go with it, but okay. I'm trying to I, I'm trying to make the point of how much we care now about mental health and mm-hmm. mental health reform as it relates to school shootings mm-hmm. and when there is something traumatic that happens on a school campus more often than not we care about everyone now. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone gets the care, and I'm trying to drive home the point that I grew up in the hood. Motherfucker get shot at school. They were just, Jimmy dead, right. turn to chapter seven. <laughs> that's not funny, but I mean, it's like, that's to reality, the, but though, To the right. point that I'm trying to make is that this has been an issue for a very long time, exactly. and look at where we've come from, where students could get killed and the school system straight up would not care mm-hmm. to where we are now where, hey, are you all right? Are you okay? Let's talk about what happened. How do you feel? Like, that's important. That's growth. Right. So it's just making the comparison of, you know, where we were then to where we are now. And I have enough material around on both sides of it to where finally that joke is in a place where I go, all right. Got you. I, could, I can do this one. With, I know how to handle this material properly now. Right. You know, especially when you get into edgier jokes, they're weapons. And if you don't know how to wield them, you'll hang yourself on stage, especially now. I was going to say, hang yourself on stage and on social media. You it's screw gonna up take... one comma, exactly. one <laughs> semicolon Listen, in your everyone, statement. Everyone's ready to drag and you. And people will right. drag you to hell. Right. And that's just something you have to be prepared for as a yeah. performer. At the end of the day, it's all in the game. Being funny and sincere at some point. Mm-hmm. I believe that forgives all sins. Right. So it, it's just about showing change. And, you know, everybody wants they pound of flesh if they're mad at you. You know, so be it. But as a performer, I think it's important to make sure that you stay the course and continue to be true to your own moral tenements. Yeah. And I think if you do that, the people that really love you will stick with you and you'll continue to grow. Right. So when you're building out, when you're working on your on your comedy specials or your sets that you do on tour... How does your process differ from when you're working on The Daily Show? Because I would imagine that's way more collaborative because there's just, you know, obviously more people in the room. With you, it's just you're just on stage. That's but for this, it's like, you know, you have, you're playing off of other people. There's other ideas in the room. Like, how does that creative process differ? Well, you know, that's probably, it's probably a little more married than you than you'd mm-hmm. think. Like, The Daily Show has, The Daily Show is a group of people attempting to write a joke 
that answers a question or addresses an issue. Mm -hmm. As a comedian alone, I am a solo artist trying to write a joke that answers a question Mm -hmm. or addresses an issue. Right. So the techniques and the thought process and the through lines are pretty much the same now. Like The Daily Show hella influenced No One Loves You because every joke at every joke at the daily show has to come back to what are we trying to say hmm. it could be the funniest joke in the room but at the end of the day if it's not saying something if it's not accomplishing trying to drill home a particular point mm-hmm. then why would why would we do that on the show right like you don't get to just make jokes for our show and what we have to do the mission of this show is to say this this and this mm-hmm. And we, that's actually sometimes why I get I get man I get so jealous of SNL because yeah. SNL they can they can they can just morph it whenever they want. Like exactly. I've seen SNL's political sketches where they'll say something poignant, right? And then they can go on a deviation. Like when Kate McKinnon comes on, oh, it's Jeff yeah. Sessions, <laughs> and it's joke 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 joke. Amazing political point. Oh my god, I never thought about that that way. Joke 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 joke. Right. Where <laughs> everything we like, we'll have some joke, 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 but we can't put it in because it doesn't fit exactly the mo of what the Daily Show is trying to do. So I, I have to make sure that you know my stuff is saying something. And I think that's the main thing that everyone's trying to do with the Daily Show. It is collaborative, and you know, you'll argue over whether the punchline should be meatloaf or if the punchline should be corn dogs. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's. What's a weird food this person wouldn't be seen eating? Right. That you know, like it's, it's those type of nuanced arguments. But it, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely influenced me. I got really, really messed up. Um, something I'm, I'm going to try to start focusing more on now. Uh, the most amazing musical performance I've ever seen was a Solange Knowles sound check. At Essence Festival, 2017. The sound check. The sound check. Her sound check was three hours. <laughs> you know, I'm not and, surprised. And for for what was to be a 45 minute performance. Now, I don't really see a lot of concerts right. just because they're usually weekends, and I work weekends. But you know, going into my next special, whatever this third hour is, I'm spending most of 2019 instead of performing and writing new jokes. I'm just trying to study the nuance of performance. So I'm trying to study different genres of pageantry. And I'm going to see, I'm taking my son to a monster truck rally hmm. um, in two weeks. And it, it, it to the naked eye, it's just trucks. But the <laughs> trucks are people. Yeah, yeah. The announcers treat the trucks as people, as true. entities. And there's a pageantry to it. There's an entrance to it there's a preening around the stage to it it's almost like wrestling Mm. to a degree and i think there's something to just how you enter the stage how you enter the space when you prepare to do your show every so what i learned from watching solange and it was so immense that i couldn't even do it for my second hour because i was too far down the road with the material the the fucking detail man the the attention Every she did her whole she did her whole for a sound check 
and I can say this because you couldn't even re- recreate it because you're not even as talented as Solange. <laughs> so I don't even feel like I'm giving away recipe because you just you can't do it because you can't see you can't see the matrix code. The way I mean, see facts. <laughs> so Solange runs the whole show on stage with her background, dancers, 40-piece brass band, mm-hmm. second line comes out. Then she goes off stage and goes and sits out in the audience uh. and then makes everybody do the show again <laughs> while she watches them from the audience. Oh, my God. To see everything as the audience would see it. It's the first time I've ever seen an artist do that. And she would stop again. Periodic, you know, every other verse. Hey, do me a favor. Move this way two inches. You come forward. Now you come over here. Uh, stage manager, give them new marks, please. Mm-hmm. Those are your new marks for that song. And this song, this, all right, and go. And then wow. she would go to another part of the fucking Superdome <sighs> and watch that shit from another angle. And the lights the positions on the stage when Solange did something as simple as working the front of the stage versus the back of the stage depending on the tempo and the tone of the song right that's jokes man jokes ain't shit but music right that's mm. and so I saw Solange and I was like oh shit I have not been performing right (laughs) I've watched my sets before and I watch some of my sets on mute for the sake of body language to oh, wow. make sure that my body language is matching the emotion of the joke. Because I've noticed that if I can play with, you know, do something with my eyebrow or right. do a pause or during the silence, feel the silence with a quick head turn or something, just anything nuanced, but not to that degree where, like, um, I think it's uh, Culture Shock is a documentary. Um, Mm -hmm. And in one of them, they talked about, uh, they were talking about Chris Rock bringing the pain, but within it, Chris Rock talked about Martin Lawrence and talked about no matter how zany Martin was on stage, his shoulders were always squared to the audience on the punchlines. And that's an important, nuanced thing to think about. And, you know, something as simple as working closer to the audience on intimate stuff and further away from the audience on bigger, more performative jokes, those things those things matter. Solange would finish a song and then would just take like 45 seconds to just, you know, the, there might be a couple of notes playing or something, mm-hmm. just relaxing within it. Erica Badu does it too. Erica Badu, matter of fact, does it better than Solange. Right. Like, just will let you just soothe and just let you sit Let's sit in this. Let's just enjoy this energy for a moment. I don't have to constantly talk. Yeah. And then you pick up the next joke. And in that moment, silence becomes the segue. Instead of sitting at home stressing and figuring out a way to connect this topic with this topic so everything can seem like one free-flowing narrative. Exactly. No, just respect the silence. Like, sitting in silence, understanding stage position, and... Where are you when you do this joke? Perform this joke 10 ways. Now go back and watch all 10 executions and tell me which one worked best and look at why. Where were you standing? What was your volume? Mm -hmm. You know, like, was there a facial expression? Like, all of that technical nuance. I just find that so fascinating because those are the things that 
as you mention them, if you point them out, I can be like, oh, you're right. Like with Martin Lawrence, like with Martin Lawrence, you know, I he is a very he uses his body. He's all over the place. But if you like pointing that out in that in that documentary, I would never have noticed that he always keeps his his shoulders. When it's time for the killer punchlines, shoulders square. Because that's the thing. I feel like that's that's the mark of a great comic is is making it to where it just feels so natural to it. Because like even like you were talking about Chris Rock pacing the stage but then stopping for the punchline. It's something that's you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily pick up on that unless someone was like really breaking it down. And you're like, oh that's the joke is funny, but it's even more effective because of that of that physical gesture or that move or that pause or whatever it might be. And that's what I find so interesting. So yeah, I mean where do you feel like you are at with that now? A six. <laughs> But the fact I, that you're feel, aware of it, I feel like my writing because I've spent so long just working on writing. Yeah. All you care about is being funny, so you can get booked. Yeah, and then you go, "Oh wait, this is a performance. This is an art form. What other things am I doing wrong? Oh my god, okay." I I know that I have a lot to learn in that regard, and that's why this year I really can't even focus on writing. Mm-hmm. It's like, why even bother? I'm not doing another hour anytime soon. So what I need to do right now is focus on the preparation part of mm-hmm. it. To focus on what are the other little things you know at some point i'm gonna have to start thinking about wardrobe and color color stories you know those things play into the feeling that you want people to exude in the special i wore red and white Mm -hmm. and psychologically you know they say that you know those colors bring about warmth or there's nothing gloomy Mm -hmm. about those colors my material is gloomy Hmm. It's very, no one loves you. Most of that material, it's pretty gloomy. So I don't need to dress dark. You don't need to to be there in a black (laughs) tracksuit. Yeah, I can't can't do that that because visually I need you to still feel like everything's okay. It looks like everything's okay. (laughs) This looks like something you should enjoy. Right. But nope, trick you. <laughs> the world's on fire. Yeah, oh, like the I world's on fire. But I'm smiling while <laughs> right. I talk about it in my red and white. Like, yeah, and right. that was something I had to start being conscious of a yeah. lot more. Was smiling while talking about bleak stuff, so mm-hmm. that psychologically, I can force you into feeling like, well, this isn't coming from a place of hatred. I'm not, because yeah. I just, you know, I I know I'm a big black man. I know the moment I make a furrow my brow people start taking me seriously and I can't afford for you to take me too seriously because I still need you to laugh. Yeah, no, I get you. And I feel like, you know, I can't have you here without talking about the gift to the internet that is your Twitter threads because (laughs) let me tell you something. I, because I thought, you know, when you told the story about, you know, prank calling Jay Prince and (laughs) how you just beat feet and you were like, 100% true story <laughs> and then I was like alright this is I fell out I was like there's no way you can top this one and then you come out with a thread about Michael Jackson's date in Thriller like yeah. that whole date that whole ridiculous night through a perspective I gotta repost that one like listen yeah. and th- so that the, the Thriller one made sense because you were tweeting as Ola Ray like just you know yeah. and so it made sense to be on Twitter but for something like Jay Prince I was I was thinking like this could have been part of his set so like when you when these ideas come to you, like how do you know where to put what where? At some point, it's like, all right, this might work on in a book or on some storytelling show. But the mm-hmm. Jay Prince story, it's just a story. So I feel like it's a different medium. I'm not mm-hmm. really a storytelling comic on stage yeah. inherently. 
So, hey, let me tell y'all, this is something y'all might like. Here's a story about the time right. I almost got murdered. And then I <laughs> then I did a, I did another story about the time we accidentally played 8-Ball and MJG on a gospel station for six hours straight one morning. <laughs> and like that, <laughs> that one is still up. Like, that's just <laughs> the amount of setup required for you to enjoy that story would require too many punchlines. I would have to infuse too many punchlines in that right. to do it on stage. So Twitter just, until I write a book or something. But, I mean, I feel like it's, you know, you've, it's been so fascinating kind of seeing where you're at with your creative process. And if you could leave our listeners with one bit of creative advice, what would it be? Ooh. Um, try to find what, Try to do what no one else is doing. Mm-hmm. There's this very popular entrepreneur from Birmingham named A.G. Gaston. He's one of the first black millionaires, um, early 1900s, signed a sharecropper. You know, came mm-hmm. from nothing and, you know, black owned everything. He had a bank and a funeral home and radio stations, like really built his empire from his bare hands. And he had these, uh, still to this day, they're boys and girls clubs named after him in mm-hmm. Birmingham, the A.G. Gasson Boys Club. And one of the things that they always instilled in us as young men was find a need and fulfill it. Mm-hmm. And so that's always stuck with me. So on the entertainment side of that, I try my best to see what other people are doing so that I don't do that. So even if I'm not the funniest, there's some uniqueness or there's an attempt at something that hasn't been done before. And that's that's really what that's going to be a big challenge for stand up comedy going forward, because comedy, you know, is. Comedy is the only genre of entertainment that everybody thinks they can do, too. So Agreed. it's not respected yeah. the same. So you have to really challenge conventional thought on visually how it's presented or tonally what you're talking about you have to really I think you really really have to look at a way of challenging people to do something to consume something different so you got to say something crazy (laughs) but it's got to have some it's got to have some meat behind it you have to figure out what's being done and then figure out a way to go even just to the left Gerard, on his second special, eight, there's no walkout. Hmm. The special starts on a right. tight shot on his face and him pondering something. It's not, what's up? Exactly. Hey, the, hey. Right. It's just first sentence. I think we're going to be all right. Which I feel like you did that with Father Figure. Like, you came yeah. on, like, and I, and I love that because it was almost like these are things that it highlighted the point of, like, these are things that you're thinking about because you just came out with a like, really, like, you know, Already thoughtful look thought. on your face. And how did it? You started yeah. with a question. It was like it yeah. was like if we get rid of the Confederate flag, how will we know who the dangerous white people are? Exactly. So that's the thing. First like, sentence. I thought that that was such a brilliant way to start the show because it's just like, and you do that a lot because like even with um, even with no one loves you, you know, it's not like, hey, how's it going? How's it going? Da, da, da. And then joke like you. It's like a, almost like a cold open, and then you yeah. have like your. So it's like you're 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 kind of like throwing people into you know your who's, mind. Who's the king of that man? It was George Carlin, man? Oh yeah. To to the to the point of the advice, I, I've tried creatively to see issues and what people are talking about, and most issues are presented through the media and through blogs mm-hmm. as A or B. Yeah. You are either A or you are B. Find C, D, and E, mm. 
and talk about that. A and B will always be there, and there will always be a discussion around A and B. But if you talk about C, D, and E and figure out other angles and things and things that people may not have considered, if nothing else, you're at least interesting. Yeah. And that's ahead of the curve. You you can be interesting and entertaining no matter what you're doing. Then you're, you're doing it already way better than anybody else. Well, this conversation has been interesting and entertaining. Thank you so much, Roy. I really appreciate oh, it. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to Creative Conversation. Make sure to rate and comment because we always love hearing from you. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. See you soon. Yeah.